Well, it's good to be here. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Jim Keena. I really respect Ryan. Uh, he's a friend of the ministry. He is a good, godly man, a man of integrity. Uh, he is a gifted leader, and I'm looking forward to seeing his leadership, and we enjoy a few conversations we've had from time to time. Uh, uh, and worship team, you did a good job. It was really a, a well-crafted. Uh, one of our goals at our church is to have uh, undistracting excellence. And we've kind of cut down on distractions and do things well. And you did that very well. The song selection, the singing was very, very good. So thank you for leading us in worship. Uh, I've been in ministry, I, I was sitting here thinking about it, about 27 years. Um, and just... I think one thing probably an older guy should say to you guys who and, and ladies who are preparing for ministry is just as just a simple summary. Uh, this is my uh, appraisal. Uh, it's worth it. 27 years later, it's worth it. Glad I did it. Best decision besides receiving Christ, Lord and Savior. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> is the danger in the ministry. That's one reason it was pretty easy to say yes to you guys. Oh, my. Hopefully I can get over this. <coughs> Maybe if somebody give me one. Yeah. <coughs> anyway, uh, that was one of the reasons why it was easy to say yes, because I like talking to you, because there's a partnership in the ministry, and I want to share some about that. So let me pray, and then uh, I think my voice will clear up here, but uh, we'll be fine. Father God, I pray you'd guide us as we open your word, that you would speak your truth to us, that you'd be glorified, and we see you and you alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For 13 years, I, uh, my first full-time pastor was in Arkansas, and then we left, went to Chicago, and I did some postgraduate work at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. So during that time frame, when we were back there, uh, we got invited to come back to the church in Arkansas. So we went back, and it was so fun to see people that we hadn't seen for years and years and years. Not years and years and years, because it wasn't that long ago, but for a couple years. And so there was all these hugs and stuff and greeting because you build beautiful relationships with people in pastoral ministry. So it was great to see them again. Well, from, a lot of our family was living down there. Our children, some of our children were. So after, after uh, church, we went out for dinner at one of my favorite Mexican food restaurants. And so we bought for the family, and we were eating and, and had a great time, a great meal with the family. Uh, so it came time, and you know, one of the bad things about having a big family is you got to pay. So it came time for me to pay, and I went up to the cash register at this Mexican food restaurant. I reached in to pull out my wallet, and all of a sudden, when I pulled out my wallet, this happened. Someone, this is a dollar, I didn't have a 20. Someone had stuck a $20 bill in my pocket when they hugged me. It was reverse pickpocketing. <laughs> and someone had done that just because they loved us and just because of the ministry. Someone had slipped a $20 bill in my back pocket just because they, they loved what we did. I have no idea who, who it was. And so when I sat there and I was at the cash register with that, I was going, wow, that is so cool they did that. And, and then, then all of a sudden I thought, well, I wish I had known because we would have ordered dessert. <laughs> And one of the things that can happen to us is we can walk around alive and have gifts we don't know. I had a gift I didn't know about. I had it in my possession. And if I'd known about it, I would have lived differently. I would have ordered dessert. I would have had a different way that I lived life if I'd known what I really had. And the sad thing is many Christians go around with gifts that they don't really understand and know what they have. 
So what I'm going to talk about is five gifts that God gives every believer. It's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 is what we're going to look at. And I want to share these five gifts in a memorable way. So a tool that I use is an acrostic when I talk about this topic, about the five gifts that God gives us. From the Greek, transliteration, the Greek word for grace, uh, charis or charis. So here's the spelling in the English we're going to use as a uh, memory tool in acrostic. These five gifts are C-H-A-R-I-S, okay? C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. So the first way we're going to see this is it opens with this uh, uh, doxology. And the doxology is this in verse 3. Praise be the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Who's the us? Read before, it's the saints, faithful in Christ. So every believer has been blessed with what? Every spiritual gift. Every believer is extraordinarily blessed. So these are the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ. So then he begins to outline, and what he does in this section is he goes through about five major gifts that God gives us. So the first one is this, is that we are CH chosen. CH chosen in him. So we see that in verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So first gift that every believer has is they've been chosen by God. He chose us in him. Notice the pronouns. He, God, chose us, Christian saints, in him, Christ. So we were chosen. When were we chosen? We were chosen before the creation of the world in Christ Jesus. So in your mind, go back to, uh, you know, your, your uh, mom and your, your grandparents and your great-grandparents and go back to George Washington and then go back a little bit further than that to Adam and Eve and then go back to Genesis 1-1. And then when you get to Genesis 1-1 in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And you go right on the other side of Genesis 1-1. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Before Genesis 1-1, Jesus knew you and says, I want you and I'm going to get you. That's crazy. And that's who God is. Now, the more we understand this idea of God choosing us in Him, one of the things you have to walk away with, salvation is sheer grace. It's not anything we did. What did you do? What, seriously, what did you do to, before Genesis 1-1? Not much. <laughs> now, we're going to see here you know, the, the, the classic tension between Calvinism and Arminianism and, and God's sovereignty and God's control. And, and, and this is what I've done with this, is I've just realized I can't figure it out, so I'm going to enjoy both. <laughs> so whatever this chosen means, we'll see as a section, it's, uh, here in a session, a second is this, it doesn't mean that we still need to believe and receive. Whatever that means, chosen before the Father, we still need to believe and receive. The other thing is this, whatever chosen means, means we are still responsible for evangelism and global missions. Whatever it means. So what I'm going to do is just live in both worlds and enjoy my responsibility. But God was chosen before the foundation of the world, and that's pretty cool. Here's what you need to know. God wants you. 
and God chose you before the foundation of the world. Yeah, this is how John Stott said it. God put us and Christ together in his mind. He determined to make us who did not yet exist his own children through the redeeming work of Christ, which had not yet taken place. It was a definite decision. So here we see, first of all, he chose us in MCH. The next gift for you then to wrap is this, that he adopted us. Adopted us. So C-H-A, adopted. Verse, uh, last, last part of 4 and 5. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Uh, this is where people get out of whack about the God's sovereignty side, especially when you talk about predestination. And this idea like, uh, wow, predestined. How could a loving God predestine people? I'm not sure. But what it did say is this. In love, he predestined us. So what drove predestination is love. Whatever it is, it is driven by love when he predestines people. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I met my wife uh, in uh, November of 1980 on Election Day when President Reagan was elected. Uh, President Reagan was right after George Washington. So. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but anyway, uh, we met for the very first time. And uh, we, we spent some time together. I, I taught at a Bible club that night, and she watched me. She helped out the Bible club. She went home that night, dropped her off at uh, her dorm. I went to a Bible college in Missouri at that time. She went home to the dorm, and she said this to her roommate. She goes, I met the man I want to marry. First time we'd ever talked, the first time we ever met. She went, home to, she went back to her dorm, and she said, I met the man I want to marry. I was chosen before I knew it. <laughs> it wasn't cosmic sense, you know. I was already married to her. I just didn't know it because she was going to pursue, and I pursued her too, and we've been married 36 years. That's pretty cool, isn't it, that she loved me before I knew it because we just met each other. And here he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely given us in the one he loves. So one of the things about adoption is this. It signifies, I believe, uh, acceptance and approval, that, that we've been accepting the God's family. And I think two of the things that really drive us is a sense of significance, of trying to find significance in life. And another thing that drives us is security. And what adoption does, it gives us both of those. Am I significant because I've been a pastor for 27 years and 10 years as church, or am I significant because I'm a child of God? What's better than being a child of God? And so what I try to do is tie my significance to my status as a child of God, not to my performance as a pastor. So on those Sundays when I preach bad sermons, which it does happen, my significance hasn't changed. I just preached a bad sermon as a child of God, and I better do better next week. But my performance isn't tied to my, my, my significance isn't tied to my performance, it's tied to who I am in Christ. The other thing is this, if we're a child of God, we can rest in his security, we don't need to be driven by fear. One of the most redemptive, uh, sanctifying things that Kim and I have experienced is having kids. Because having kids makes you, first of all, uh, realize how selfish you are. It, it accelerates the maturity. I grew up when we had the kids. Like, I can't think about myself all the time. Everything is this. I really loved them so deeply. I began to get just a little bit how much God loves us. 
Yeah, this is what Jesus said one time. If you then be evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does the Father in heaven know how to give that which is good to you? I know I want to take care of my kids, and I'm evil. So God will take care of us. So our significance is found in our adoption, security. You can rest. He's going to take care of you. He's going to get you where he wants you. You just rest in his complete and finished work. So it signifies acceptance and approval and security and provision. He will meet your needs. So the, the, this, this gift here was, first of all, he's chosen, C.H. chosen, adopted. Then the R is this, God has redeemed us. Uh, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Here he ties redemption to this. It's through his blood. It was costly. And he says this redemption is the forgiveness of sins. One of the grace gifts that God gives people is this. The redemption is that we're forgiven. We're brought in right relationship with God. And those sins that we've committed have been dealt with. Uh, some of you have been watching the, the Kavanaugh uh, Try, you know, uh, uh, we call hearings or whatever. One of the things I walked away with is this. It's like, I'm glad I'm not nominated for the Supreme Court. Because they could drag up some stuff. I'm just saying. They could, they could drag up some stuff that wasn't pretty. And I just, I, I have not been perfect. I, I'd hate that thrown on the screen in the world. But you know what the fact is? Is God forgives those things. Completely, fully. Do not, do not, do not, do not, do not let your past sin define who you are. Because it's been forgiven. And you're in right status with God. And here's one of the cool gifts you have. You don't have to carry around shame and guilt over the past. You, you don't have to let that define who you are. Your definition of who you are is through the person of Jesus Christ, his finished work. Enjoy, enjoy the forgiveness you have in Christ. It was through his finished work. He paid for it fully, completely. You don't have to pay for it. And you don't have to pay for it by beating yourself up. Because Jesus didn't beat himself up. He died for it. And he paid it fully, completely. And so one of these gifts that people can go around with, they're just weighed down with guilt about past sins that carry them down. And he says, here's the truth. You've been forgiven. And the beauty of the forgiveness is this. And this is what Timothy George says. Uh, in Christian faith, forgiveness means the healing of a broken relationship. And the broken relationship that our sin did between us and God has been healed. And God has welcomed you so much so he calls you his children. That's the gift that God gives us. So we have these gifts. First one we saw chosen, CH chosen. We've been adopted. Then we've been redeemed. That is the forgiveness of sins. So as you go on to these gifts he gives us, he goes to the next one. Uh, and this is about the only one that kind of I had to work with the letter to make it work for this, you know, the sermon, the, the, you know, the, the I. So this is CH chosen, A adopted, R redeemed, I is informed. I is informed. So let's see what's going on here. It'll make sense in a second. Verse 9, and he made known to us the mystery of his will. Uh, when you see it in the New Testament, especially in Paul's writing. A mystery is uh, something that was previously hidden that is now revealed. Like one of the mysteries is this. Who's the Messiah? Oh, New Testament. The mystery is this. It's Jesus Christ. 
He's the Messiah. There was a mystery as to who the identity of the Messiah was. That mystery is now revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. So there was this mystery that was once hidden. The mystery of his will. And, and he's going to tell us the mystery. It just takes him a long time to tell us what the mystery is. Okay? So, but, he, but he goes to get there. This is what it is. He made known to us the mystery of his will. And we're going, well, what's the mystery? Well, it's according to his good pleasure. What's he saying by that? Whatever this mystery is, why did he do it? He just wanted to. It was his good pleasure. The motivation for this mystery that we're about to hear is his good pleasure. It pleased him. So it was his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So, so it's in the purpose person of Christ. And then he even tells us when this mystery is going to happen to be put in effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. So there's this mystery that's going to happen when the times have reached their fulfillment. It was just because it was God's good pleasure that he did it. So what is this mystery? And here's the mystery we see as we continue on the last part of it. To bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Christ. So here's something that Old Testament saints didn't quite get. That at the end, ultimately, everything, everything will be brought under the headship of Jesus Christ. There's a mystery. Once hidden, now revealed in the person of Christ. So, so here's, your, here's your insider tip, okay? At the end, after everything is over, we're all at the end, after the judgment, everything, everything's going to culminate with Jesus Christ enthroned over all. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That's how the big story ends. So this is what he says. Here's a, here's a, here's a gift we have. We have insider knowledge how the story ends and who's in charge. And here's, here's the beauty. If you know how the story ends, you can change your life today to fit the end. Does that make sense? Uh, Super Bowl is coming up February 3rd, I think it is, 2019. Just think for a moment. What if all of us in this room knew who was in the game and who was going to win? I mean, we, we could say, uh, give me a team that you would like to see win the Super Bowl. Anybody? Eagles. Eagles? Eagles? Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay, I have Seahawks. There we go. Let's go, let's go a little more regional. And, yeah, re regional, yeah. And then, and obviously, the, the, the best of the world would be to beat the Patriots. Nobody likes the Patriots, right? Anybody Patriots? I do. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah but what, what, what if you knew the Seahawks beat the Patriots by five points? Now, let's just pretend we're not in Bible college, okay, just for a moment. <laughs> if we knew, 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 knew that, we would cash out all our money and go to Vegas, right? <laughs> we, would sell, we would sell our cars, we would sell our you know, houses, whatever we have, we would give blood, we would get together every bit of, <laughs> we, we would get together, we would, go, we would go to friends, hey, can I borrow 20 bucks? We would do everything we could, go down to Vegas, put all the money, because you know who's going to win. You would change if you knew the future, wouldn't you? Knowing the future, who wins the Super Bowl, would change how you live life today. And this is why it says on a cosmic scale, we know how it ends. And here's how it's going to end. Jesus is head over all. So a wise person, what, makes changes in their life today. So the best decision you make is surrender to the authority of Christ today. 
because he's going to be an authority for all eternity. We have been informed how it all ends. We have insider. This is called insider trading. We know how it all ends, and we find hope in that. So he says this, that these saints in Christ, they've been chosen for the foundation of the world. They've been adopted into his family. They have been redeemed and given insider information. We know how it all ends. One of the things you're going to see in this text, there's three elements to it. There is a uh, eternity past, present, and then eternity future in it. There's this Trinitarian work of God the Father who chose us. Jesus died for us. Now we're going to see the Holy Spirit sealing us. We're being sealed with the Holy Spirit. So this is the last thing. This is the S. C-C-H of Chris. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, informed. The last one is sealed. Sealed. Here it is in the last part of it. And you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So um, just maybe to come back. Remember the chosen and the predestined peace? This is, what, this is what I was saying. He said you included him when you heard the truth and believed. Human responsibility. So whatever chosen, whatever predestined means, you still have to hear the word and you have to believe the word. So there's still human responsibility. And so here he says, you heard the truth, the, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal. So what's the seal? You know, it's talking about primarily the wax seal where a signet ring might be pushed onto that or some sort of thing, like an official document. He says, you were sealed with the Holy, promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So this is the next gift, is you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the word there for deposit guaranteeing our inheritance is the idea of earnest money. You know, if you buy a house, you put down earnest money. And if you back out of buying the house, you lose that earnest money. So what the earnest money says, I'm serious about this, so what the Holy Spirit is, is the down payment, so to speak, that the full inheritance is coming. One of the most enjoyable parts of being a Christ follower is the profound, powerful work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Who informs us, comforts us, directs us, leads us, guides us. And that, though the work of the Holy Spirit in us is just a down payment of the inheritance we're going to get. And, and, it, and it reassures us that we're going to get there someday. The Holy Spirit's presence. In modern day Greek, this word that is used here is often used for an engagement ring. You know, it's like the down payment. Um, you know, I, I, as a pastor, as a lot of college students, a lot of people get engaged. And, and when they come, I don't care what the ring looks like, I make a big deal about it. Because it's a big deal. It's not the size of the ring that's the big deal. It's the, it's the deal. So when I find out that somebody in our church is engaged, I go, oh, let me see the ring. Let me see the ring. And she will put the ring out. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then, then, I, then I, it's probably a lot of times it's Bible college students. Like the diamond's really small, so I get one of those little things. <laughs> But it's not the size of the ring, right, men? 
Yeah, it, it, it's, it's the thought that counts, yeah. <laughs> and the women are saying, size, size is pretty important, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I look at it, I go, oh, it's so beautiful. And they're so excited about their engagement ring. But this is one thing I've noticed, is they, while they get really excited about the engagement ring, they want another ring. <laughs> they want the wedding ring. I'm telling you, if a girl wears an engagement ring for five or six years, she's upset. <laughs> she, the, the engagement ring is a down payment of what? Another ring's coming. A better ring. A wedding ring. And so here we see the better ring that's coming for us is our inheritance to the praise of His glory. The seal is a promised Holy Spirit is that deposit guaranteeing that God will complete what He did. So uh, let me wrap things up. How are we doing on time here? We're doing okay. Do you want me to preach another sermon? Wrap this one up and then preach another one? Or, no, I'm really good. I, I, actually, I, I was actually kind of shocked because I was, I was kind of buzzing along there. Um, let me wrap, some, uh, wrap up some things here, though. Um, after pastoring for the 13 years in Arkansas, we went to Chicago, and I did some postgraduate work at Trinity. And that was really a change because I was uh, 40-something years old. And I was thinking that God was redirecting us maybe into teaching and so on, because I really loved teaching a lot. But it reaffirmed, actually, that, that God called me to be a pastor. And so it was a big change. And, and uh, we actually, we have a big family. We have seven kids. Uh, we now have, uh, what is it, f uh, four son-in-laws and uh, eight grandkids with uh, nine on the way. So we are so, so blessed. Uh, so we got, we, got, we got a herd. Yeah. And uh, we're all going to be together for Christmas. We're real excited about that. Uh, so, so anyway, we moved to Chicago. And uh, at that time, we only had four kids. So that wasn't too bad at all. So we moved to Chicago with our four kids. It was a big adjustment. And uh, I, I got a job at Starbucks. was working there for a while. And uh, that was fine. And then there was this campus position that opened, uh, on a job that opened on the campus there. Uh, and things were, you know, started to get tight financially and so on for us. And we kind of knew this was going to happen, but we trusted God provide. So I, I applied for this uh, position, I think, at the bookstore. Uh, and I went into the lady and, uh, you know, talked to her and made the application. So I was in the mail room and I was getting my mail. You know how it is around the, the mailboxes, a little crowd of people. And Trinity's a pretty good sized school, so we were all kind of moving around. And uh, this lady was very pleasant. She was very nice and uh, that, that I'd interviewed with. So I saw her and uh, uh, I was kind of waiting for word on the job. And she goes, oh, hi, Jim, how you doing? I go, fine. She goes, you didn't get the job. <laughs> we gave it to somebody else. And, and they were more qualified, uh, which, which is not really hard in my case to find more qualified people for bookstore managers or whatever. And uh, so there I was, and, 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 and the thing was down, down in the basement where we were, and, uh, or the mail room was. And I remember I was just kind of like, oh, God, what's, what's going on here? And so there's this steps that were going up and, and to, the, to the chapel area in Trinity there. And, and, and I was walking uh, up the steps, just bewildered, like, I thought I was going to get this. I thought this was God's provision. So, so as I was walking up steps, this is what I did. I'm chosen. I'm adopted. I'm redeemed. I'm informed. I am sealed. And I just reminded myself of God's truth. 
I reminded myself to the God's truth. So from the time of the devastation, and I'm, that's kind of an overstatement of the, the, de the, dis the disappointment of not getting the job, to climbing the steps up to the chapel. By the time I got to the top, my heart was in a better place because of the gospel. See, I think if you really look at how the gospel, the, meet, the gospel meets some of the core needs of who we are and what we're about. So this is what I think the idea of chosen is, is that we have a history. Uh, you're not an accident. You know, I remember when I found out that I was an unplanned pregnancy. I was a surprise to mom and dad. I went, what? But I wasn't surprised to God. I may have surprised mom and dad. But God had chosen me for the foundation of the world. So we all have this history that everyone has wanted. Everyone has a purpose and a place. So we have a history because we've been chosen in front of the foundation of the world. Uh, we, we've been adopted. We have a family. And I don't know what your family situation is, your family of origin is, but you have Father, like Father God. And, and you have the church as your family. Uh, this morning, our elders, we meet um, every, every week at 6.30 on Thursday morning. So we had our elders meeting this morning. And uh, man, they're family. Uh, those guys, I just love them. And we've been through a lot in 10 years. It's, it has been a tough 10 years in many, in many ways and many times in, in pastoring here. And they've walked alongside of me and, and their brothers. It's family. Uh, I went to a small group on Monday night and was with family. Um, there's something beautiful about the body of Christ but also having God as our Father. Uh, so I don't know what your family of origin issues are, you know, broken or, or whatever, but, but we have a family that we're a part of because that we have been adopted into the family. Uh, uh, we have been redeemed, so we have purity. Uh, you don't need to carry around shame and guilt over sins that God's forgiven. Uh, since I have time, I'll tell you another story. I'm about, these are about my head. Uh, several years ago, I did a wedding uh, for... Uh, a couple in our church. And this was, I, I had like just gotten a computer. So this, I was, this is how old I am. I pastored before computers. Yeah. You wanna know how bad things were? We had to type my papers on a typewriter. So that was, uh, and, and my wife did a lot of the typing, so it was bad for her. But anyway, I had just gotten this computer. I was getting used to it. I was put, put in the wedding ceremony. And so it came time to exchange vows where, uh, you know, uh, it was Andy and Lisa. I, Andy, take you, Lisa, to be my, my wife, and so on. So I copied and pasted and all this, and then I swapped the names out, and I got to that part in the, in the wedding. So I stood there, and I looked at Andy, and I said, uh, repair to me, I, Andy, take you, Lisa, to be my wedded wife. And so we, we went through that, and then it was time to reverse. So I, Lisa, take you, Andy, and I said, to be my wedded wife. And I had not changed the word to husband. And uh, the whole church just kind of laughed. And, and I remember Eliza, she just handled it so well. She just grinned for me because she's getting married. So it's, it's really hard to mess up this day too much with something like that. And so I was embarrassed by it that I you know, had, had misspoke. And she just grinned and she says, I take to be my husband and just smiled from ear to ear because she knew, knew I made a mistake. So. Um, after the wedding, right afterwards, you know, I, I, I saw them. I pulled them aside. I go, Lisa, I am so sorry for my mistake. And, and, and Lisa said, no big deal. You know, it's okay, Jim. Because really, is that going to ruin a wedding day? I mean, 
Seriously, it wasn't that big a mistake. But I did feel a bit bad about it because I didn't want to start. So, so then all of a sudden we had the reception and there was all these food and all this stuff going around. And I was sitting you know, off watching and I still felt bad about it. So I go, oh, I just need to go up to her one more time. So I went up to Elisa one more time. I said, Elisa, I am real sorry about, about the mistake I made. And uh, uh, I, you know, I'm just sorry about it. She looked at me and she goes, Jim, it's no problem. And so the, the party went on, and maybe there was whatever was going on. And so a little bit later, I was standing over there, and all of a sudden I had this urge. <sighs> I just need to go talk to Elisa one more time. <laughs> and I felt like I needed to go back, you know, and just say one more time. Well, seriously, I was, I'm seriously sorry. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. Jim, if you go back, you're saying you don't believe Elisa. You need to take Elisa at her word that when she forgave you, she forgave you. Don't walk back over there. And I didn't. I just apologized twice. Do you see the point? Is that when we keep going back, going, God, did you forgive me for what I did way, way back? He goes, I forgave you. And then you go back again. I forgave you. And sometimes you're questioning the integrity of God. If we confess our sin, he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So rather than going back, trying to get it all squared again, why don't you just stop and say, thank you, God, for forgiving me for that sin. Just move from a request from a sin that you've confessed and God's forgiven to a celebration of the forgiveness. And accept it. And so one of the things is this, is that because of the redemption of the finished blood, we have purity. We're in right standing with God because of the finished work of Christ. So chosen, we have a history. Adopted, we have a family. Redeemed, we have purity. Informed, we know the mystery. So knowing that everything culminates under the headship of Jesus Christ, the best decision you can make today is to live your life under the headship of Jesus Christ. And knowing the end, make appropriate changes and course corrections in how you follow Christ today, and how you live life. Uh, we know the mystery, and sealed, we have a destiny. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a, a, I guess uh, there's, there's enough of a, a Calvinist in me. You know, I'm kind of this confused Calvinist. <laughs> and one, one of the things that I really do like, though, is this, is, uh, is we have a destiny, is that he who began a work, and he's going to finish it. This is, I just... Not bragging, but resting in the finished work of Christ. I'm going to make it. That's pretty good to know, isn't it? Not because of me, not because of what's going on. I'm going to make it, and you're going to make it. We're going to get there. And sometimes in the hardship of life, you just remember, oh, sometimes this is the only thing that keeps you going, I'm going to be in heaven someday. I'm going to be in heaven someday. And what the Holy Spirit is, is that down payment. Something better is coming. It's the marriage supper. We sit down the lamb, and it's all done. So that's why you just keep going. And what God's called us to do. So I want you to take the gifts that God's given you, you have, and just enjoy them. And play with them. And use them.
Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the privilege of standing before us as choice servants. I pray that you would strengthen them in inner person, that you would help them see the depth of the riches that you've lavished upon us in your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that each of us would know that we are wanted and pursued, that we're in your family, that you forgive us completely, that we know how it ends and we're going to make it through your grace for your glory. So, Father, I pray that you strengthen the weary. I pray that you would give those who may be discouraged, uh, going through discouragement, encouragement. I pray that you'd bring clarity and, and uh, a sense of resting in your finished work. We thank you for the gifts you've lavished upon us. That's why it's appropriate to give you praise and glory. We pr pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.